Someone say greater. Your God is the God of greater. In the book of Haggai, chapter 2, verse 9, it says this. Watch. Here's a word for our church. Here's a, here's a word for, for Citizens Church right now in this season. It says this. It says, the glory of this present house. In other words, the glory of what, come on everybody, look at me, of what God is doing right now, about what we're standing in the midst of, the glory of what God is doing in this present house will be greater. There's your word, say it with me, greater. Will be greater than the glory of the former house. Scripture's saying, you think what you saw before was good? You think what you saw in the, in the last season was a big deal? God says, you're about to see greater. I'm going to do greater in your midst, says the Lord Almighty. And in this place, come on, here's a word for you. I will grant peace, declares the Lord Almighty. Who is grateful for God's promise in our life today? Who is grateful for the greater that he has for us? It's a season of greater, everybody. We're believing that as we go into 2022, it's going to be a game-changing year. Do you know that in January of this next year, we are going to be eight years old as a church? Come on, everybody. We made it. We're eight years old. We're still toddlers. But we made it. Eight years old. And it's, it's wild. It's wild to think back because we, we actually launched Citizens Church out of this venue. I remember it eight years, almost eight years ago when we set up 50 seats in this place. There was like the first two, three rows, and, and we were just praying that God would fill the seats. And on that day, God brought 500 people to the launch of Citizens Church. It was a couple of weeks later, Easter, we had 800, and you know, we'd just been holding on and watching God do, do incredible things. But eight years, everybody. And I don't know if you know this, but numbers in Scripture actually have a, a significance to them. Who knew that? Come on. This is one of those opportunities you get to share, show off a little bit. Like, I knew that. Over here. Who knew that? Numbers in Scripture have a significance. And so, it's, it's just to give you a little taste, right? So, as you go through Scripture, what you see is like the number four is the number of earth. There's, there's four seasons. There's four directions, north, east, south, west, right? There's four. And so four is the, is the number of earth. Five, as you move through Scripture, has been called the number of grace. There's five types of offerings in Leviticus. The book of Psalms is divided into five sections. There's, the tabernacle contains five curtains, on and on and on. It's just this number of grace. Six, mark this one because we're going to talk about it. Six is the number of, does anyone know, of humanity, okay? Humanity. Seven, come on, look. Seven, the year we just had, that's the number of, of completion. Do you know what eight? Does anyone know what eight is? We're going into eight, everybody. Eight is the number, come on, of new beginnings. Eight is the number of God doing something new. And all over scripture, when you see eight, it's just this new beginnings. Now look, let me share with you why this is, why this is such a big deal to me. I wasn't going to share this stuff, and that God kept pushing me in my heart, and I decided I'm going to share it. And whether or not you like it, it's just, it's just the reality of our story, of what God has done in Tate and I's life. Over and over again in our life, God has used this, like, number significance, like, in just kind of strange ways, like, I'm going to share this stuff with you. Some of you are going to walk away going, that was weird. Others are like, come on. Yeah, that's good, preacher. Like, but I'm just going to share it. Like, so we've seen this in our life. We've watched God 
move and rhythms in our, in our life and in seasons in our life. And so when we first got married, we knew we were called into ministry and we went and we served in ministry up north. That lasted for a year. And then God at that time had called us. I remember I was standing on this, on this, uh, up on this, above this valley and I was standing on this dry, withered grass and, and these weeds that were dying all uh, around us. And we were in a season up in Amador County where Tate and I were wrestling in our marriage and all this stuff had happened. God brought us there for a reason. I'm telling you, we made some of the greatest friends in our life that are still part of this ministry today. I'm talking about Kim and Dustin Batalo over here. We got Yeshua and Angel Stathos. We, we met them up in Amador County. And God used that one year, the starting of things in our life, the new things in our life, that, that one year to introduce us to lifelong friends. But I'm standing there in Amador County up on this hill with all this dead grass around me, and, and I'm kind of just praying, like, God, I want to be used by you in mighty ways. Lord, I want to see you work through Tate and I's story to bring you glory that when we're gone, there would be a momentum that far outlives us and touches generations. God, I, just, I want to open myself up to you. There's this quote I'd always hear that, that no one has ever seen what God can do through one man fully surrendered to him and said, God, I just want to be that man. I just want to be surrendered to you. And I remember God whispering into my heart in that moment. He said, look where you are. And I looked down, and there's all this dead grass around me. And I started looking around. And on the other side of this valley, there's this big green pasture land. And God said, here's where you are. And that's where we're going. And then he said, that's how you're going to get there. And there was this massive valley between where I was and where that green pasture land was. And I remember calling Tatum saying, babe, I think God's calling us to go. I think he's telling us that we need to move back down into Southern California. And Tatum said, I know, I've already packed the house. She never, she never got rid of the boxes, everybody. Like, we were packed. It was, just, it was rough. Your first year of marriage, being away from everything. And, but God used that one year. Now watch this. We moved back home and God whispered to our hearts. He said, don't, I, I genuinely felt like God was saying, don't go and strive after finding another ministry position. You've got to understand, I... I had a degree in theology, a ministry degree. I knew God had called me ministry. But God's whispering in my heart, don't press into it. Let me open the doors. I'm like, Lord, okay. Like, in other words, God's going, what I'm about to do, I don't want you to be able to look back at and say, look what I did. Look what I did. He wants me to be able to look back and go, look what God did. So let me open the doors. So we moved back, and I went into working, working in the marketplace. I was a salesman for for it's called W.T. Ballard. I sold warehousing equipment. I sold forklifts, everybody. Come on. You know, I was, I was working as a, as a salesman. I was good at it. Come on, somebody. Like, it was knocking it, like, just out of the park. It's a great job. But watch this. From the moment I took that sales job that God used to provide me for me to the moment I got my first paycheck moving back into full-time vocational ministry, whether you believe me or not, to the week was three years, three years of my life. Three is the number of, of perfection. It's like God used that, that, that three years to perfect something inside of Tate and I to, to set us up for what he was going to do next. And literally two, from the moment we stepped out of that to the moment we stepped back into ministry, I was working in sales and everything else. It was three years exactly. And I stepped into full-time ministry in Orange County as a youth pastor at a church out in Orange County. And we served in that ministry. We watched God do incredible things. We had a student ministry of hundreds and hundreds of kids. We had we had tons and tons of leaders. We had our own whole thing happening with student ministry. I love it. I'm telling you right now, if you forced me to make a decision, I'd be doing youth ministry still, right? I just love students. And 
watch this. We served in that ministry as youth pastors, get this, for seven years. I'm not making this up, exactly seven years. And in that seven years, God closed that season of student ministry. And in the eighth year, God called us into leading that church and becoming the senior pastor of the church that I was the youth pastor in. And at that point, you guys, it was a, it was a massive transition for Tate and I. Because we love student ministry. We never thought about doing anything other than student ministry. But the church we are in, the lead pastor, went through a whole bunch and, uh, and ended up stepping down out of ministry. And they were looking for someone to take the church. And God called us to take the church. And God, in, in the middle of all that, we were wrestling. Because everyone said, we don't know if the church is going to live. People, people said, we don't think it's going to live. Because it's been through too much. And there's too much division. And there's too much hardship. We don't, we don't think it's going to live. But God said, Chris, I want you to commit yourself to this. I want you to lean into it and just trust me with it. And so Tate and I stepped into something that people said would not live. And we watched that church not just live, but thrive. God provided in those seven years miraculously for us to continue and to move forward and keep reaching more people. We had to move out of a building that we owned and, and travel like the children of Israel. So I'm used to it. We've done it before. Until God brought us our, our next permanent venue, I watched it happen. God provided and watch this, everybody, seven years into us leading that ministry. So seven years as a youth pastor, seven years leading that church as the lead pastor. God started to poke at Tate and I's heart a little bit and saying that there's, there's more for you beyond this. And I remember when Tate and I first started talking about it, I'm going, there can't be. I love it here, Tatum. And we have, a, we have an ocean breeze and a nice home and the church has got money and savings and we're doing good. I, we, she goes, let's just fast and pray on it. Like, okay, we fast and pray, and sure enough, God is whispering to us. I want you to walk away from something. Everybody would look at it and go, like, this is perfect. Like, live in it. Continue it. But I've got, I've got greater for you. I've got more for you. And so, friends, in a season of transition, we handed that church off after seven years of leading it, 14 years of being there. Guys, come on. You, you bring some deep relationships in 14 years. It was one of the hardest things we've ever done in our life is to walk away from that season and into this eighth season, the eighth year, where God was going to do something new. And the new in that season for us wasn't coming out of youth ministry into a new role as a lead pastor. It was coming out of leading that church for seven years and planting something brand new that God had been steering inside of Tatum and I's heart called Citizens Church. We had no idea where it was going to be, but God showed us that it was Redlands, so we moved to Redlands at the end of 2013. And three months later, after us moving here, we were a part of launching Citizens Church with 60 people. I didn't even know where the 60 people came from. We had 60 people on the volunteer team. I, you would think we'd move back, and it was like we had all these friends, like, let's go, planted a church. We moved back, all our friends were like, we're out of Redlands, see you. They were everywhere else. But God brought us new people. And, and there was just this family going, let's do this thing. And that 60 launched Citizens Church. We stepped into this new season in January of 2014. And for the last seven years, the last seven years, we have seen God do miraculous things. We've been at the, we've been at the front. We've had a front row seat to a, to a move of God, to watching him do more than we could ever, ever accomplish in and of ourselves. We've seen thousands of people come to know Jesus. We've seen hundreds and hundreds of people baptized. We've, we've seen families restored and marriages healed. We've seen addictions broken. We've, we've seen wayward kids come home. We've, we've seen lost give their life to Jesus. We've seen it over and over again. Now, friends, watch this. Here's just our life. I'm just telling you. 
three years in preparation, seven years in student ministry, seven years leading the church, and now we've had seven years at Citizens Church. And no, I'm not going anywhere, everybody. But I do believe God's up to something new. If you, if you look at it, it's interesting. Six years in as a church, six is the number of, does anyone remember? Humanity. Six years in as a church, we got hit with COVID-19. So here we were, you know, 15, 1,800 people, two different campuses. We're going, going, going. We were getting ready to hire two more pastors as a church. We, we had met with a team that helped us restructure everything. And this guy was going to come on and oversee small groups. And this guy's going to come on and oversee them. And we're doing all, and we had all whiteboard. It all looked so good on the whiteboard. And then we hit the year of humanity. And in March, COVID hits. And you know the story. Year seven, the year of completion, God, I think, completed some stuff inside of us as a church, inside of us as a family. I'm telling you, there's a maturity, there's a depth, there's friendships have gone deeper, relationships have, have been matured, our, our teams are just, there's just this commitment and this depth, and I love it. There's this maturity inside of you as a church, and in the seventh year, God has done that in us. But friends, the seventh year has led us up to the edge of the eighth year. And now we are standing on the edge of some new things. The Bible says that eight, listen, is the year of new beginnings. I'm telling you something right now. God is going to start something new in our midst, new around us, new through us. And we've already, listen, we've already seen little tastes of it. Some of you don't realize this. Like, look, as a church, the little taste that we're seeing, the last 13 weeks alone, we've seen over, get this, in the last 13 weeks alone, we've seen over 60 families come in, new to citizens, fill out cards and go, hey, I, I love this place. And to those of you who are new, we love you. We're so glad you're here. Come on, we got a journey to go on, amen? In 13 weeks, 60 families have filled out cards. And some people don't fill out cards. They're like, I don't like that church. They're never coming back. They don't fill out cards. That's fine. Because we have a lot of great churches in Redlands. But 60 and get this, everybody, you think, that's, you think that's cool. We have seen in the last 13 weeks, we have seen over 53 people commit their lives to Christ. In the last 13 weeks, and when I mean commit their lives to Christ, they, they didn't just pray with me in service. I mean, that, that's all you need, just saying yes to Jesus, but they let us know. On a card, they filled out, they turned in, that we didn't get to follow up with them and connect them. And 53, we're seeing tastes of it, tastes of the new things that God is going to do in this next year. Isaiah chapter 53, verse 19 says this, see, I am doing a new thing. Hey, see, do you see it? He says, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. This is a verse that God gave to Tate and I when we came out to plant. And I'm telling you, I believe this is the year where we're going to see it come into fruition. We're going to watch God begin to open up streams in the wasteland and do through us what he's been promising over and over again. Do you believe it? Say amen. It's a new year, everybody, and a new work. And I want you to see it with us. Like, see it with us. I'm asking you to believe God for the sake of your friends. Believe God for the sake of your, of your family. Believe God for, for 
your wayward sons and daughters for the sake of our city, for the sake of California's healing, everybody. Come on. Like, just believe God for greater, for more. Because he is the God of greater. He is the God of more. What I'm doing in this temple and in this season, God says, is better than what you saw in the last season. And so the offering that we take up every year, everyone get out that card really quick. I'm going to talk to you about this, and then I'm going to preach to you about your life and the greater God has for you. If you get out this for me, I want you to get out real quick. What we do every year is we, is we pray together through how God would want us to be involved financially in what is going to be happening in this next year. So I want to ask you to take some time this week and pray about your part. Listen, we never tell you how much to give. Honestly, let it just be between you and God. Like, God, what's my part? Just do what God tells you to do, everybody. We're not going to hunt you down. or It's no pressure. Literally, hear me. There's no pressure. It's an opportunity. If you want to be involved, pray about how you're going to be involved and, and get involved. It's, it's this offering, everybody, that we take up starting next week that um, allows us to sow seed into the soil of next year. It's what postures us for expansion. It's what postures us for growth. It helps us to kind of get our mind around what we're able to do in the next year. It's also this offering, thank you so many of you that have continued to give toward this, this offering, a massive portion of this, we usually take about 80% or more of it that we chunk away for the saving for our future, for our future venue. Come on, somebody, amen. And I want you to know that because of your faithful giving, we've been able to save and save and save and save. We're continuing to save. We're moving closer and closer to our goals. And we're working harder than ever before at finding a place. And I know you guys hear me say that a lot, but it's true. <laughs> like, just believe me. Like, in this last, last about two, three months alone, we've looked at two different buildings. Our architect has drawn up drawings. We've poked in ceilings, looked inside, sent to see if we could raise ceilings, all this stuff. And we've turned plans into the city. What do you think? And the city goes, you can't build that there because the parking won't support what you want. We're like, come on, please. And they're like, sorry, it's not going to happen. And that's just kind of the journey we're on right now is that we're, we're knocking on doors. Someone say knock on doors. That's important. Let me talk about that. A little sound effect even. So we are knocking on doors. That is happening. And we've I mean, we're at the point, place now where we point at a building and our architect gets on, draws that out and goes, I think we can do it. Let's present it to the city. We got this whole system down. And I'm telling you, there will be a moment where God decides to bless us with a permanent venue. He's going to do that. Amen? And we're going to keep pressing forward and believing God for it. So a large portion of what you give is going to go toward, is going toward saving that. The other thing I want to talk to you, you guys about is that um, there's an opportunity here to give toward that. But I also want to thank every single one of you. Look at me that continue to give faithfully and regularly to Citizens Church, week in, week out, and monthly. It's because of you that we get to do everything that we get to do as a church. It's because of you that we went through 2020, 2021. We made it, everybody, so well. It's because of you that we continue to preach the gospel. It's because of you that we've seen so many testimonies of so many lives changed, marriages healed, addictions broken. It's because of your faithful giving that we get to do what we've been able to do. And I just want to thank you for everything that you've done in making that possible. You're the ones that make it possible. Your act of worship in giving has enabled everything that we're doing. And so thank you. I want to talk to those of you that this year are going to join them. Do you know there's a, about 80% of our budget, 90% of our budget is made up on about 20% of our people. We have some really strong, faithful givers. But there's some of you that in this season are going to commit yourselves to being, just like lock arms with us. Like let's do this. Let's, let's press forward into what God has in the year eight, the, the year of new beginnings. 
God calls us in Scripture to, as part of our worship, it's, it's called to tithe. And it's not about a percentage, everybody. It's literally just about uh, a principle. And the principle is the principle of giving, that I don't hold on to things. It's not this that provides for me. It's my God that provides for me. Amen? And what we do in, worship, in, in, in our tithe or in our offering is that we say, God, I'm not trusting this. I'm trusting you. And it opens up our arms to God to watch God do. And I'm telling you, watch. Those of you who decide to give, some are 3%, 5%, 10%. The Old Testament, if you added up offerings and tithes, actually 23% of their income would go out toward tithes and offerings. And what you find out is that you could end up doing with the 90% you have left than you could have done with the 100% that you tried to keep. That's just what God does. And it's just this experience of just worshiping God. But then God uses that worship to fund ministry and to let us do the things God's called us to do. Everything we do costs money. Everything we're going to do and all the greater things we're going to do costs even more. And what tithes does and our offerings, those of you who choose to continue to do that regularly, it's your regular giving that the board gets to look at and go, okay, here's where we are. And that's what sets the pace for us hiring, for us you know, expanding, how much can we do at Summer Blast this year? What, you know, how much are we going to charge the kids? How, how many of the Vox Nights are we going to have? How, you know, all that is based on the regular giving of our church. And so you guys get to, it's like, in other words, your, your foot's on the gas. Like, we got vision for days. I should have added it up. Millions of dollars of vision, right? And we get to decide how, how fast we go into that. And that's your regular giving. And so some of you, on this card you'll see, you know, I'm giving a gift of this one time, or others of you, hey, I'm going to join in. And you can do that online, make it part of your regular giving. As we move into, listen, the greater things that God has for us, not just as a church, but as an individual. And I need you to understand this. God has greater for you. Do you know that God's heart for you is that you would prosper? Like God wants you to prosper. In the, book of, of, uh, in the book of Jeremiah, chapter 29, I forget Jeremiah, come on, come on. Jeremiah 29, 11 says this, watch. For I know the plans I have toward you, declares the Lord. Plans to what? Prosper you. Some, some of you, you got some plans for 2022, right? Some of you have not made any plans for 2022 because you're so frustrated with how all your other plans went. You don't have any plans. Well, whether you have plans or not, you need to know your God has some plans. And his plans are to prosper you. Someone say prosper. Prosper you. Not to harm you. Plans to give you a future and to give you a hope. Some of you in here today are like, oh, no. Preacher's going all prosperity doctrine on me. Others of you are like, I like myself a good prosperity preacher. Come on, preacher. Tell me about my mansions. Tell me about my Mercedes, right? John, 3 John 1, 2 says this. Some of you are kicking against it, like, oh, I don't know about prosperity. What? Well, beloved, I pray that you may, what? Prosper in all things. How many things? All things. What's that mean in the Greek? All things. Prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. God says, I want you to prosper. Well, then, where's my Mercedes? Where's my mansion? There's nothing wrong with Mercedes or mansion. But this isn't about Mercedes or Mansion. Do you know what it means? It means that you would, here's the word, just move forward. That's what it literally means, prosper. It means that you are in this rhythm of moving forward. And I'm telling you, what it means is that your marriage next year is going to look better than it did this year. That, that your faith is stronger next year than it is this year. That you just keep moving forward. Some of you need to shake off the dust of everything that happened in COVID. It's time 
to move forward. That's what God wants to do in your life. Like, shake it off. We got a new year ahead of us. It's the eighth year, a year of new beginnings. For you and for our church, he wants to prosper us. Someone say move forward. So how in the world do we move forward into the greater that God has for our life? Matthew chapter 7, Jesus says this. Ask, someone say ask. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek, someone say seek. Seek and you will find. Knock, someone say knock. Knock and the door will be open unto you. Friends, for us to move forward into the greater that God has for our life, the first thing that Jesus says is, I need you to start asking. Asking. And here's what asking does, everybody. Write this down, right? Ask. Asking gets you dreaming. Like some of you need to start dreaming again. Come on, look at me. You, you, you've allowed your dreams to, to grow cold. You've allowed your hope and your, your vision for the future. It's grown cold. You used, to, you used to believe God for, but now you're like, oh, it's just been so long, and I don't know. And I'm telling you, get it out. Dust it off, because God says, come and ask me. Come and ask me. See, it's, 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 it's this Jesus trying to get you to dream a little bit. Someone shows up who has unlimited resource and says, I'm going to hook you up. What do you want? Tell me how much. What's it going for? I'm going to put it in the memo. Come on. Jesus is showing up. I'm a limited resource. King of the universe. Owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He's a, I mean, come on. He spoke the world into existence. And Jesus shows, this is in your, in your Bible. He goes, all right, everybody, first of all, ready? Ask me. And here's what you need to do. You start to look at life different. All of a sudden, you go, okay, well, can you give me a second? Oh, my goodness, he's going to. What could happen? Like, what could happen in my business endeavors when I got the king of the universe saying, ask me? Like, what, what could happen in my marriage when the king of the universe says, shows up and goes, ask me? So now all of a sudden, you're not like, well, I just hope my business survives and I hope my marriage, I hope we make it. The king of the universe says, how big a check you want? Ask me, what do you want to see God do in your business? What do you want to see God do in your marriage? What do you want to see God do in your kids? What do you want to see God do in this next year? See, God is inviting you to dream a little bit, okay? He's inviting you to, to think outside the bounds of what is and to start to think about what could be in Jesus' name. And so I'm telling you, you've got to start dreaming about what's next. I, I remember being a kid. And when Christmas would roll around, man, I was filled with so much vision. <laughs> I'm going to date myself. You remember, you remember them old Sears catalog? If somebody could unplug this light, it's going to drive me nuts. It's the, you remember the old Sears catalog? Come on, right? Any Sears catalog. I would go through Sears catalog, I remember as a kid, and just highlighting and circling and underlining and kind of, my heart was like bursting with vision. It is going to be a good Christmas, right? And then I would take that and I would list it all out of all the things I'm believing God to get, or not God, like I'm preaching and talking to you, of I'm believing, I'm believing, you know, to get for Christmas filled with vision for days, right? Filled with vision for days. And I would set that out as my kind of dreams for Christmas. And I'm telling you guys, there's, there's something about that. And I want you, as you move into this Christmas season and as you move into the holiday season and you're preparing to give gifts to your, to your kids and to your friends, and I want you to hear me. God wants to give you a gift. 
He's, the, he's a giver. He's a blesser. He wants to bless you. But friends, he tells you first you've got to just ask. What are you going to ask for? Come on, what are you dreaming for? What are, you, what are you believing God for? You need to get a vision, friends. If you're ever going to see the greater, you need to start thinking about what it could possibly be. You, you, you dream about it. You ask. Ask for the sake of your family, for the sake of your marriage, for what God wants to do on the campus. You ask for what God can do through your life. And church, for us, we ask, right? We lift our vision. And when we ask, I want you to know that as a church, the things we ask for, bottom line, it's all about people. It's all about souls. We ask that, that our influence would grow, be greater, so that our impact would be greater. That we would see more people come to know Jesus. We would see more people be set free. We would see more people, come on, amen, discover their purpose in their life and live it out. We just, we're all about souls. And we ask God, we're believing him. We're believing him for more in this next year than we've seen in the last seven years. We're believing God for more. He tells me to ask. I'm going to. We're going to ask for a permanent venue. Amen? And when God gives us a permanent venue, we're not going to make it about the permanent venue because, again, it's all about people. All about people. So lift your vision and begin to ask. That's how you move toward greater. Then he says, don't just ask. He says, seek. Seek. Well, if asking gets us dreaming, what does seeking do? You're not going to like this, but you need to know it. Seeking gets you stretching. Because, see, it's one thing to ask for something. It's a whole, it's an entirely different thing to start reaching for something. And, friends, some of us get so frustrated because we're asking for things, but we're never seeing things because we're not reaching for things. We're not stretching for things. And so when Jesus invites you into the greater, he starts with you dreaming, ask, ask, ask. But then he invites you into stretching. It's reaching. Here's a word for you. It's called investing your life. Like, if you want to see gains in your marriage, you got to invest in your marriage. If you want to see gains in your friendships, you got to invest in your friendships. If you want to see gains at the gym, everybody, it doesn't happen by just asking. I've tried. God, would you please just, I want to, I remember watching UFC for the first time being like, I want to look like that. I want to do that. I asked God. It doesn't happen. Because if you want to see gains, you've got to invest some time in the gym. You've got to invest. And a lot of us are frustrated because we've been asking for things, but we're not seeing things. And we think it's God's fault. God, I've been asking. God says, but have you been stretching? Have you been reaching? You're never going to see what you're asking for until you get into the process of reaching for, of taking the steps necessary to move you where it is you're asking to be and what it is you're wanting to see done. And so, friends, think about it. Like, here's a question you need to ask yourself. What does what you're asking for, what does what I'm asking for require me to start stretching for? Think about that. What does what I'm asking for? God, do this in the business. God, do this in my family. God, do this. What does what I'm asking for require me to start reaching for? And I'm telling you, God has a way of when you wrestle with these questions, he will show you your next step. God always breaks the great vision down into a next step. Everybody loves to talk about the great vision. Someday we're going to, and this is what I'm going to do, and this is where we're going to. Everybody loves to talk about the great vision. 
but no one likes to talk about the next step. So God wants to show you not just the great vision, what I'm asking for, but the next step, what you're going to reach for. And the reason we often don't take the next step is not because we don't know the next step, it's because we don't like the next step. God, I want to see that. And God goes, well, then you got to reach for this. I don't want to reach for that. That hurts. That hurts. And so some of you know what it is you're supposed to do, but you're not willing to do it because it's stretching. How many of you, how many of you got some, you got some muscles that could only go so far? How many of you used to be able to touch your toes? Come on. <laughs> and so here's what happens if you're like me, you used to be able to touch your toes, right? It was like no problem. But now, but now, listen, when I go to touch my toes, there's a little bit of pain involved in this process. About right there, I know some of you think that's weak. About right there, right there, that hurts. Especially when you lift your head. Wow, that, this just got some tension on my hamstrings. And, and I'm saying, I used to be able to just flat down, hands on the ground. I can't touch my toes. Friends, but actually here's the reality. I can touch my toes. But it's just going to take a little stretching. If I get up every day and I do this, I'm not going to do it. So don't make me do it. I don't care how good an illustration this is. I get up every day and I do this and I move through the pain for 15 seconds. And I do it every single day. I will soon be able to touch my toes again. And I'm telling you, there are things that are just, that are in your reach, but have been out of your reach because you've been unwilling to reach. You're not putting yourself in the tension. You're not stepping into the, it's going to be painful. i got to show up and go through counseling. I, I mean, i gotta, I got to actually have that conversation. You mean I've actually got to start, right? And it's the stretching. And so, friends, where is God stretching you into this next season? On the other side of your stretching is God's blessing. Like, it's, it's just in reach. But God doesn't, God doesn't just show up and, and hand us everything. He gives you, God, you're praying for a table, and God is so great. Like, sometimes he just give you wood. It's called hustle. It's called, it's called build it, make it. I'll give you the resource. You got it. You get what I'm saying? And so, church, you want to see the greater? Do you generally, God, God has greater. Start asking. Dream like mad, crazy, like crazy dreams. The Bible says God can do exceedingly abundantly above all you could ever ask, think, or imagine. Ask. But then you better start reaching. You stretch. Where is God stretching you? This, the offering we take at the end of the year, it's just our way. It's our stretching. It's our way of saying, God, we're going to reach. We're not going to stop. God, would you do that? God, we're going we're gonna to reach. We get ourselves a little uncomfortable, give a little more than we would, press in a little more, so that we could actually start to stretch toward those things. And I love the fact that our church is a church that doesn't just pray bold prayers in our closet. We've always taken bold steps. And we've watched God bless those steps as we... We not just ask, but we start to seek. We stretch. We're willing to play our part of what it is God wants to do in our lives and through our church. Someone say ask. Someone say seek. And that leaves us with the last one. Someone say knock. Asking gets us dreaming. Seeking gets us stretching. Knocking, guess what knocking does, friends? It keeps you going. Knocking is the persistent part of all of this. Knocking is the part that says, hey, although I showed up <laughs> and it was a closed door. See, everyone talks about God opening doors and closing doors and God leads us through open doors. But you need to understand, if God is calling you to knock on a door, that means when you showed up to the door, it was originally closed. 
That even though God wanted to open it for you, he didn't just leave it open for you. He put it in front of you and said, now what you got to do is knock on it. And you know, in the original language, that word knock, matter of fact, all of these are persistent and continual. Keep on asking. Keep on seeking. Keep on knocking. He says, you knock. You knock. And the way God leads you is he, is he you're going, God, would you do this thing? And now you seek and you find a door. Some people go, well, it's closed. Must not be God. But God didn't just say, ask and seek and find a door. He said, ask, seek, and once you find the door, knock on it. You don't knock on open doors. Knock on closed doors. I'm telling you, there are places in your life right now where you thought God was going to do something, but you've shown up and you're like, it's a closed door. And you've told yourself God must not be in it. But you don't know if God's in it until you start knocking on it. You've got to knock on it persistently. And see, some of you, 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 went, you went to the door, you just never knocked on it. Some of you have gone and you've, you've started knocking, but it's like a, you just kind of must not be home. Must not be God. Must have, everything in my life led me to this point, and, and now it's just a little confusing. I, oh, you've just been kind of, you know, tapping on the door. The word knock, it's like, hello, hey. Matter of fact, Scripture uses this, this illustration of, of someone showing up to the door, and there's a man upstairs sleeping, and they want some bread, and they're, they're knocking on the door, and they're so persistent that the man upstairs, the one upstairs finally goes, someone get the door. And it's that kind of persistency. You just keep on knocking. You keep on believing. You never know what God's going to do. Is it a closed door? Is it an open door? you got to knock on the door to find out. And keep knocking on the door to find out. Knocking keeps you going. It's that persistence, my friend. Some people think that their life is just going to be all open doors. Some, of the things, some people think that greater means that you give your life to Jesus, he moves you into the greater, and it just goes whoop. Just open doors, everything's easy. No, no, no. Life looks a little more like this, right, on that growth chart. It's like, oh, 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 right? It's, it's, it's peaks and valleys, right? It's closed doors that you keep knocking on, knocking on, knocking on, and then finally he opens the door, and then closes it. It's like that kind of an experience. And what happens is some people give up at the point where they see closed doors, because they are tired of knocking on doors. They're tired of trying. And they give up right before those closed doors and become open doors and move you into the next season of your life. Galatians says it this way. Galatians 6, 9 says, let us not become weary in doing good for at the proper time. At the proper what? Time. God's got a timing, everybody. And you're knocking on a door right now. It's just not the right time. Does that mean you quit knocking on the door? No, that means you keep knocking at the door. And then at the right time, he says, we will. We will reap a harvest if you don't stop knocking. If you do not give up. I love that he uses the illustration of a farmer. Because you know that the for the farmer, the blessing of his next season, the fruitfulness of his next season, the harvest of his next season, watch this, 
is predicated 100% on his faithfulness in this season. Does that make sense? Like if, if he's not scattering the seed and he's not tending to the soil and, and, and working the field, if he's not doing that in this season, he won't see the harvest in the next season. What if the farmer got up day one, week one, he, he plows the field and he gets it all ready. Week two, he goes out and he scatters seed in the first part of the field. He's like got the like first one sixteenth of the field is it's got some seed in it. Then he goes out the next day to do the second sixteenth of the field. But when he gets out there, he realizes this, the first sixteenth has got nothing going on. Didn't I just put seed in this? I'll I'll do the next part anyway. He does the next part. He goes out. And now, first part, second part. He's poured himself into it. He's, he's taken seed, watch this, seed that he could turn into a mill that he has right now. But instead of doing that, he's investing in it in what could be tomorrow. He's, it's, a, it's a sacrifice that he's making to do this. God calls us to, he stretches us into sacrifice. What if he gets out there after doing all this and he goes, nothing's happening. I quit, I forget it. I'm tired. I tell you, friends, if he chooses to be faithless in this season, if he gives up in this season, he'll never enjoy the bounty of the next that God actually intends for him. But you know what that farmer does? He gets up, and no matter what it looks like, no matter if it looks like things are growing or not, even when it doesn't look like anything's happening, you see, he knows something's going on. And based on what he knows is going to happen, he keeps on doing what he needs to do. He keeps on hucking seed. He keeps on hucking seed. He keeps on working the field. He's faithful to do what he can do because he knows at a certain point, God's going to show up and do what he can never do. God's going to bring the rain. And the rain is going to meet with the crops. And the crops are going to start to grow. And God's going to give the increase. And soon he will reap a harvest. So he just goes out there. Hucking seed, hucking seed, hucking seed, hucking seed. Do I see anything yet? Nope, keep hucking seed. Why? Because I serve a God who's faithful. As I'm doing everything that, that he's called me to do, as I keep on knocking, keep on knocking, keep on knocking. Do I see anything yet? Open door yet? No, I keep on knocking, keep on giving, keep on serving, keep on loving, keep on stretching, keep, as I keep on. God is not only faithful to the farmer. He's faithful to you. He will bring a harvest. And I'm trying to tell you, friends, listen to me. Don't give up. Don't you quit on you because God hasn't quit on you. Amen? He's got more for you, greater for you. So keep, keep knocking seed. Keep knocking on doors. Someone say ask. Someone say seek. And friends, you got to knock. You got to keep on knocking. I want to give you one more bonus, bonus material. Asking, seeking, knocking, and I want to close with this. It's called thinking. Chris, I don't see that in the scripture. It doesn't say think. I'm going to add it because it's all over scripture. I just think there's a, there's a danger. There's a danger when you're in one season and you, you're believing God for a next season, that you forget what God's done in 
in other seasons. Does that make sense? Like there's always going to be a, 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 a distinction between where you are and where you're believing God's going to move you. There always is. And what can happen is, is if, you're not, if you're not careful, friends, you, you lose sight in the, in the midst of the things that haven't happened yet. You lose sight of the things that have already happened so far. You know? Don't lose sight of what God has already done in your life. You know, we're moving in the eighth year, and one of my big dreams that I'm, the door I keep knocking on is that we would get a permanent venue. You're like, you say that every year. It's like, because I'm knocking on that door every year. And just because I knocked on it and it didn't happen in year two and three and four, did you think, I, you think we get to year eight and go, well, it just must not be God's will. I'm not going to knock on the door. We're going to keep knocking on that door. And God will open it when God wants to open it. We met with, you know, I met with uh, Sandals, Pastor Vet Brown. I did um, lunch together a couple days ago. And he says, ah, it took us 12 years. I said, not for us. <laughs> Don't you give me that. We're believing God for eight. Tatum was preaching in uh, Orange County this last week at a church called uh, Seaco, Shoreline Church, and crushed it. But the pastor there said it took us 10 years. I said, not for us. We're, Tatum, we're believing eight. We're believing eight. Why? Because I'm knocking on the door, right? And I'm believing God for it. And he'll do it. But friends, I want you to know that while we're knocking on the door for the things that we haven't seen yet, we are so thankful for the things God has already done. I mean, I am thankful. Look at me, every one of you. I'm so thankful for you. Man, I love each of you so much. It's an honor of mine to be on this journey with you. It's an honor of mine to be here in the seventh year, standing on the edge of the eighth year, believing God for more. It's, it's an honor to be able to walk with all of you. And I want you to know that I am thankful. Hear me. I'm thankful for you. I'm thankful for a church that prays bold prayers, takes crazy bold steps. I'm thankful for a church that after moving over 40 times, it would have typically would have wiped out any other church plant. You guys have just continued with the same vigor you had at front. I'm thankful. I'm thankful that we like we went through COVID and when we opened back up, people actually showed up. Like people go, I don't know if I was gonna show up. You guys, you showed up. I'm thankful. Anyone thankful for our for our C team and those that serve on teams who after going through everything, they I, mean, I was just praying, God send some send some people to help us. And the C team just showed back up stronger than ever. I'm thankful. That you guys are the, I mean, it's, it's, some are like, well, it's a smaller percentage. Hey, it's the cream of the crop. And God will do with the 10%. We saw that in the book of Nehemiah. I'm just thankful. I'm thankful. You guys, I'm thankful. For all that he's already done. But we're looking forward to all that he is going to do. His past faithfulness demands his present trust. He's been so faithful to us. He's been so faithful to you. Come on, look at me. Trust him. 2022, everybody. It's gonna be a powerful year. Hold on to your hats and glasses. Ask, seek, knock, and just be thankful in Jesus' name. God, we love you so much. We, we do thank you, Lord. We thank you for your goodness to us, God. We thank you that you're the God of greater. 
And that, Lord, you're always moving us forward. And so, Jesus, we choose today to dream. We choose today to stretch. God, we choose today to to keep on going, God. We're not going to give up. Because in due season, we will reap a harvest. According to your word and for your glory. And, God, we thank you in advance for all that you're going to do as we sit in appreciation of all that you've already done. And God, I just want to speak life over your people, God, more over your people, Jesus. I want to speak greater dreams, Lord Jesus. God, greater stretching in places where they need to stretch. And God, for just this gift of persistence, God, to keep on keeping on and believing you, Lord God.